Welcome, listeners, to Full-Time Photographer. If this is your first time here, this is the podcast that takes you behind the lens into the world of successful photography businesses. I'm your host, John Stell, and I've spent years honing the craft and the art of marketing as a full-time photographer. In this show, we'll dive deep into the strategies that propel photographers from passion to profession, from branding that leaves a lasting impression to digital marketing techniques that elevate your visibility. Join me as we unravel the mysteries of search engine optimization, demystify the powers of social media, explore the nuances of client relationships through our candid conversations. You'll hear expert interviews, practical tips, and whether you're an established pro looking for fresh insights or just starting out on this exciting journey, this podcast is crafted with you in mind. Together, we'll navigate the marketing maze one click at a time. Welcome again. Awesome, awesome. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's get it started. I'm going to read your bio real quick. So, um, whether it was mid-century furniture intriguing artwork on the wall, or Moe's Allison playing on the stereo. That space was his home. At the time, he did not realize or appreciate how much of an influence this was until he encountered spaces where art was not present. So in his own life, he filled it with those same aspects that resonated with him through the choice of his profession, marrying a woman who shared the same ideals and appreciation for the arts, and surrounding himself in spaces with vibrant color and thoughtful design. In his work as a professional photographer, he challenged himself to put that design color or muse that he was fond of in front and center. It was the perfect marriage of creativity and technical expertise. Much like all the art surrounding him, it came as no surprise he developed an interest in photography. As a child, he never considered it as a profession until faced with the reality that he could not live with his parents forever. So he attended Savannah College of Art and Design and earned a BFA in photography, graduating with honors. Based on a recommendation from a professor, He was hired to work in a fine art photography studio in Taos, New Mexico under Chuck Henningsen, a photographer who had apprenticed with Ansel Adams and whose work encompassed both contemporary and traditional Western fine art. The studio specialized in 19th century alternative process known as platinum printing, as well as state-of-the-art color print process called cybochrome. After three years in Taos, Carol and his wife moved back to the East Coast to be closer to family and start a family of their own. Returning to his hometown felt strange, but it offered a wealth of opportunity for both of them. His next step was finding a commercial studio that would take him in, educate him in the finer and not-so-fine points of commercial photography, and teach him about running a business in a creative field. He worked in a local commercial studio for nearly eight years before deciding to start his own in 2006. The experience in both fine art and commercial photography seamlessly blended with the creative and technical aspects of his mind, providing constant challenges. At this point, he had been working in the industry for nearly 25 years. He acknowledged that he couldn't have achieved this without the help and support of the Spartanburg community along the way. He felt immensely grateful for this and hoped to reciprocate that favor to others every day. He knew there was still so much to learn and explore in this medium, and he constantly evolved. When he isn't behind the camera, you can find him on adventures, running trails, mountain biking, stand-up paddleboarding. He is an avid lover of Little River Coffee, VW buses, and live music. In 2015, he embarked on his fourth trip to Africa with a local nonprofit, globalbike.org, where he was able to combine his love of biking with his passion for photography. He believes in spreading peace and joy every day, wherever he goes. Carol's work has been featured in numerous gallery exhibitions, published in books, magazines, billboards, and various forms of digital media. His work even graced the big screens in Times Square and the New York Yankees stadium welcome carol you know obviously i wrote that and rewrote it with my wife until it made sense it probably could be changed a little bit but the truth is still there i mean i'll tell you i grew up in a family that my dad was an architect my mom was a homemaker but she was also very artistic as well and very active in our lives growing up and and so our house always you know had lots of art lots of neat furniture, you know, mid-century style stuff. And I didn't really know what it was. It was just kind of something as a kid you grew up with and, and lots of great music, you know. And so I would kind of notice that in other people's homes and things like that when I guess it wasn't present. And so, you know, it's kind of an influence underlying, if you will. So, and that's kind of, if you look at our house now and my studio, it, it, it mimics it quite a bit. So it, it was just a fun place to grow up. And I think that was, like I said, a big influence on who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. Awesome. So then you went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. That's the SCAD, right? Yes. I've always been into photography a little bit as a kid, you know, shooting pictures with these little crappy cameras, like while we ride our BMX bikes and trying to catch us jumping air and 
and doing these things and never serious, never a thought whatsoever to become a photographer. You know, I took a photography class in, in high school, but when it was time to figure out what I wanted to do, I did do a little stint in college here in Spartanburg and I decided I, I did not like that. So I looked at art schools, obviously with a emphasis on photography and SCAD in Savannah was a really good match. And I loved it from, from the get go. I was really in my element, not just with photography, but art in general. And I thrived. I did so much better with that format and those subject matters. I, I tell you what, if I don't like something, unfortunately, it's it's hard for me to, uh, I guess, get into it, if you will. So it was, like I said, it was a good match. And from, from SCAD, you know, I tell you what, there was a, when I was at SCAD, there was a really good professor I had. I mean, a lot of them were good, but this one in particular, I liked what he taught. You know, he had emphasis on fine art printing, black and white, alternative processes like platinum printing and other things like that. And he would always talk about this one photographer that went there and that he was now in New Mexico working for this fine art photographer. And they were printing these large platinum prints, some of the biggest in the country, working not only on that artist's work, but others who wanted to print in that medium, but didn't have either the studio or facility or know how to do it. And so it always sounded neat. And then one day that professor said, hey, uh, this guy in New Mexico needs another assistant to help print his platinum prints, work in the studio and whatnot. And he said, would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. Now, where is this in New Mexico? Because I've never, I've heard of New Mexico, the state, of course, but this little town called Taos. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to try and get the job. Now, I thought about this over the weekend if that guy hadn't been as good as he was working there, that guy in New Mexico would have never called back and said, hey, I would love another graduate from the photography department to come here and work for me. He had to look somewhere else. I'm so thankful. His name was Andy Bale. I don't know where he is these days, but I'm so thankful for him for doing such a good job because that got me an opportunity to go there and work there. And so in that studio was purely based on with fine art photography. He like I said, he printed large black and white prints, uh, platinum prints, which is a early photography process that was invented in the 1800s. Instead of printing with say silver salts, like silver metals, like black and white photography, he used platinum and palladium. And so he was a, one of the larger studios in the country doing that. And so, I mean, he had a million dollar dark room. It was, it was a fantastic start right out of college. I was green as ever, you know, I knew how to print and do stuff, but I was far from any kind of expert. So it was nice to start there. Nice to get my feet wet. I felt lucky to have a job in the, in photography, whatever it was, assisting, printing, whatever, um, from the get-go. And so my wife and I, we, we picked up our stuff in Savannah and we moved all the way out to Taos, New Mexico. When we got there, I think I had $100 in my checking account. I needed an advance on my paycheck so I could we could move in and get started. I mean, it was humble beginnings, but it was great experience. I'm very thankful for it. And it, it was out of this world, man. Awesome. And then you guys, you said you, you moved back to the East Coast? Yeah. So we were in New Mexico for about three years. You know, like I said, I had a great experience, met a lot of great photographers that would come into town and visit. His name was Chuck Henningsen, by the way. And he would have other photographers, um, such as Jerry Yulesman, uh, Sally Mann would come through with her family. Um, Chris Rainier, who was uh, Ansel Adams' last uh, studio darkroom assistant, he brought a class in there. So it was, it was wonderful. But after about three years, we, me and my wife decided we wanted to move back east where we were from so we could start a family, really just kind of see what how we could pick back up 
uh, where we left off. And so I'm, I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And so we moved back to Spartanburg or really just the East Coast trying to with photography, hopefully again with the job and, and settle here. And upon moving back, thankfully, I did look at some other jobs, but there was a studio here in Spartanburg, a commercial photography studio here that thankfully was hiring. And so I took a job with them almost, almost immediately, a few weeks into being back to Spartanburg. And this guy had, he had been a, a commercial photographer for a number of years. And it was really a great place to start from coming from a fine art world. That's a very difficult world to make a living doing. The guy I had worked for in New Mexico, he was already independently wealthy. You know, he didn't need to make money to um, keep his business running. You know, that's not that was not going to be an option for me. And really, I had studied commercial photography as well at SCAD. So it was great to, to step into that world and learn business of photography, how to shoot for clients, all the things that I'm, I'm doing still today. It was good to start there. Again, still green to a lot of those things, still the big thing, shooting, you know, transparency film for a lot of the clients. We had dark rooms, black and white, color, processed all of our own film just so we could produce it in such a short amount of time for anybody. What was great about this photographer, his name is Steve Fincher. He had already invested a lot of money into computer technology. He already had a digital camera, a phase one scan back that would fit on the back of a Hasselblad. So he was, I would say, in the forefront of photography at that time. This is the late 90s. And, you know, he had a really nice leaf scanner. He was already just, like I said, trying to tap into what the future was for photography. And it was, you know, I, so I learned more about Photoshop and scanning and shooting with the digital camera, shooting product photography. I didn't shoot a lot of people for him. He, he did all that stuff. But, you know, processing more film, all those things. And so I just gained more and more experience through that. And it was not only watching him shoot, but dealing with clients of all kinds, industry, fashion, you know, you name it, all kinds of things. And again, it was just another step, but it was an important one. Again, grateful to have continued experience in the field, further learning. I mean, everything's everything you learn from. But And from there, I, I worked for Steve for about seven and a half years. And at some point, I decided... I felt very comfortable with answering their questions, getting what they needed. At that point, I felt like, I think I can do this on my own. And this never was a dream of mine. I wasn't like, one day I'm going to have a studio. One day I'm going to be doing this on my own. Things just kind of led me here and there in the right spots at the right time. Had lots of help from people along the way. So I, in 2006, I opened up my own studio based mostly on commercial photography, some fine art, kind of mixing the two with the experiences I have. And 18 years later, almost, it's been a wonderful experience. And I'm super, super thankful. I keep saying that, but it's true. It's, it's a blessing to be in this business. There's so many great people and so many wonderful experiences along the way. What did somebody say? I've heard it said it's like a, it's such a compliment to be hired by somebody. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, they're hiring you to do what you love to do. They're paying you. They're trusting you uh, with your artistic eye, technical ability, maybe both, maybe one. It just keeps it keeps you going, makes you believe in the dream that, yes, I can do this. And yes, I can actually make a living at this, which is amazing. It, I always love this quote by Jerry Garcia saying, if it isn't fun, it isn't worth doing. Absolutely. Carol, how long have you been a photographer and, and what do you primarily shoot now? So I'll be 51 in, in about a month. And I like to consider I started being a professional photographer when I was 21, just because I guess you call yourself a professional when people want to pay you to, to, to take pictures. And although it wasn't a lot of jobs, it was just a few here and there because I was still in school. Primarily, I it's a good mix of stuff. 
I have some fashion clients. I shoot a lot of business headshots. I shoot some architecture. I, I have a drone. I shoot, I do complement my work with the drone, mostly commercial real estate with that, some artistic endeavors with that. The drone does provide a very unique perspective. It does. I mean, and I'm not always necessarily needed to get up 400 feet off the ground, but I used to want a bucket truck. I wish I had one. And I looked at oh, yeah. one of those, but I was like, that's ridiculous. Those things are fifty dollars to $100,000 for a jalopy. And so when the drone came out, you know, you can't always just get in a nice spot to shoot a pretty picture of a building. That just kind of opened it up for everybody. I don't shoot it a ton, but I, like I said, I love it to get that nice perspective. Oh, it's see it from the sky. And I used to shoot a lot of aerial photography in planes, which I got sick of. You know, you're hanging your camera and your head out the window going in circles, looking through a, a viewfinder, you get a little weak in the stomach here and there. So I don't mm. miss that part. That's a wild thing to get sick of. Cause I imagine the first time you did it, it was like, this is my job, man. This is incredible. And then after, I don't I mean, however many times you're probably like, dude, not again. This is what they want us to do. Oh God. Well, the length of the flight Sometimes we'd be up there for an hour or so. Even sometimes a client would come with us and they'd be in the backseat, which is even worse. And they'd oh, be yeah. sick. And of course, it didn't help that the pilot would start talking about stories about people getting sick in the plane. <sighs> you know, while well, I'm smelling all this fuel, like I said, oh we're going God. in circles. What, the what, last you, what would you be that, shooting in a plane? Like like uh, real estate or just? Well, yes, there's Milliken, Roger Milliken. Roger Milliken owned a lot of property. His family still does. He's now passed. But throughout this area, you know, the state, Georgia, North Carolina. And so periodically they would want to fly and capture a lot of that. And, you know, to their credit, they wanted to capture it in the fall. So it would be some pretty stuff. And and then other clients needed to capture, like City of Spartanburg wanted to shoot things around the city to show growth or document how it is. And, you know, like I said, there was no drones at the time. So anything that needed something from the air, you went and flew, you shot film and then you shot digital. And we usually shot out of a Cessna, a little, very small plane. You know, every now and then I could get someone to get a helicopter. But most of the time it was, no, we need the plane. We're not paying $400 an hour for a helicopter. Oh, gosh. And well, I man, love the helicopter. A- I mean, oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you're you're not having to stay in motion. You're just all right. Hover over here, lower, higher, left, right. You know. Oh, perfect. Just help. like the drone does now, except that we're not in there. If it crashes, it's all good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that kind of opens the question for me, or opens the question up for how do you stay ahead of the curve and where do you primarily find your clients? Well, as I have learned from other photographers and people that I've worked with, you have to kind of keep your eye on what's the latest thing in technology. You can't sit still. I mean, I love the old ways. I still shoot some film. I still, you know, I have computers in my studio. They're well over 10 years old. They're still kicking. But now we're at AI and all these other things. You know, I just try to stay current enough that I'm that I'm using the, the best technology I can. And some of that technology, such as strobes with batteries instead of cords and stuff like that, just allows you to shoot almost anywhere. Because I use a lot of lights. You know, I shoot natural light too, but I... After a lot of experience with strobes and lighting over the years, it's just, it's part of what I do. I feel like it gives a certain look for commercial photography that separates you from people who don't use those. That's a different world altogether. Yeah. And and I'm not, I think those who who can create solely without strobes is amazing. Everybody does their own thing. Like I said, I try to stay, I'm not like the, like I've hardly gotten into AI I, you know, the new Photoshop has AI capabilities. I do dabble with that, but I have not created any images solely through AI. I'm not sure about that. I do think it's a thing. I'm not, I won't call it photography. Even if you, a photographer deciding to create all their images purely in AI is an image creator, but I don't think you can necessarily call it photography. It would probably be a photographer's experience and, and applying that experience and image making to to ai but you know so i'm not against it uh, I'm, I'm curious about it probably every profession there is out there 
probably a little nervous about what that will mean for our job, how much work we get. And, you know, I, like all things, like when digital came out, clients started doing some of their own work because they could now afford some of the equipment or it took the film out of the equation and made it easier in some respects. But then it came back to the photographers when they realized, yes, you can do it yourself, but that doesn't mean that it's going to turn out good. Now, I was listening to this other podcast from uh, it was like marketing in Charleston. And um, this art director who works for Buffalo Group was talking about using AI for her brainstorm meetings and that she felt like she wouldn't be replaced by AI or copywriters to be replaced by AI because it, it really only provided an idea pool. And then the execution came from people making choices and seeing things. I think maybe in the creation of images through AI, it might just be able to make treatments a little bit faster and easier if you don't already have those images you can just quickly create them but i agree with you if, if you're not making a photograph it's really not photography and i've i've always kind of felt that way about composite photography too where it's like man only portions of this image were were actually created by the photographer and other parts of it were just taken from either stock or maybe another shoot or something, you know, and it, it's tons of effects or just stuff like that is always kind of maybe, I don't know, go, well, it is and it isn't photography, right? Well, it, like many mixed media mediums where whether it's decoupage, where you're cutting things out, images from a magazine, gluing them onto a, some type of board to create a new image. I think that you could call it something else. Mixed media photography, when folks grab images that aren't theirs, or they purely create them digitally by a drawing. You know, there's, I mean, there's so many different ways. It's definitely art. It is that. It's definitely being oh, creative. Yeah. Whether you think it's easy or not, certainly the early days of AI right now, I have a few friends that are writing their own prompts and code with their own computers instead of relying on, you know, the web to generate their images. And so they kind of have a little bit of a advantage, maybe. I don't advantage in that they're creating everything in house, probably a disadvantage in speed, possibly if they don't have the most robust computer, but it's learning in such a rate. I mean, the images are getting better and better in terms of believability. And so, yeah, I mean, it does worry me a little bit. I take a lot of headshots for a lot of clients. It's it's over the years, it's just become more and more popular as you know, social media sites have increased, uh, websites, people want a, a new headshot more often. I mean, I think when you reach, reach a certain age now, these folks are using their headshots for 10 years and 15 years. But uh, but like I said, it's it's a really a, a great part of my business. And so that part concerns me when I see more and more folks using their AI-generated images. And they do look like them. If you didn't know them sure. that well, you, and I've been fooled, yeah, that's fine. It's, you just got to start with something. And those AI images are based on real pictures that were taken. better the picture, the more likely that AI photo will actually look like you with the correct, sharp, or um, well-taken photos by oh, yeah. most likely a professional or somebody with a nice camera, not just a, a camera phone. Yeah. That kind of goes back to that idea, right. Of, of finding your client, you know, like not everybody is your client. Some of these low budget people, you know, they're just, it's like, man, I really want to help you. But unfortunately the budget just doesn't justify the work. And so I'm going to have to pass. And it's kind of like, that's not your client. And almost these people that rely solely on AI photos, it's like, well, that's not my client, you know? And right, being a studio photographer, I guess like a lot of things are, especially, I think a lot of things are changing across the entire landscape of photography. But as a studio photographer, do you find yourself but where do you, where would you find your clients or where are you using more word of mouth? Are you just that sharing your photos on the internet is, is creating a, a bit of a kind of a calling to, to use you? It's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. Now, I, being in Spartanburg, it's a small city. We're beside Greenville, which a lot of more people probably heard of that. We're in between Charlotte and Greenville. And so Spartanburg's a small market, but it's a growing city. And it has always had a lot of industry. BMW's been here now for close to 30 years now. Um, wow, I didn't know that was that long. It's textiles have been here. A lot of European technology based on textiles. It's a really a great melting pot. Always has been since the late 60s, early 70s. A lot of engineering here. 
And so, and that's kind of really where a lot of early commercial photography I was working in was in the industry on I-26 and I-85. So I've been in that lot of industrial plants from BMW to in the textiles, Millican. And so now as far as how do I get my work, like I said, it's a lot of mixed sources. I mean, word of mouth is wonderful. I'm from Spartanburg, and so I've known a lot of folks in town. I've grown up with a lot of people, and I've been working in this area as a commercial photographer for almost eight years when I started my business. And so, you know, people hear that you're doing this. I'm reaching out to folks. I used to do a lot of event photography for the purpose of networking. You know, I would shoot these events for uh, grand openings, bank opening, all kinds of stuff. And so it wasn't that I was standing around handing out my business card. People would just ask, what else do you shoot? What else do you do? And oh, yeah. of course, oh, I do almost everything. Please, let's talk. You know, here's my card. And that was oh, really sure. a great way to get started. And, and, and anybody, I mean, when I opened up, anybody that ever told me they might want to take a picture of any kind, not your wedding and not your crying babies or your families, but any kind of business related stuff, I called them. And sure, most of them didn't need anything at the time, but over time they did, they did call me. And I've had some clients the entire time that I've been open, you know, a few banks, some other types of businesses. And it's great to get a client that loves to work with you. I love to work with them. There's a trust when they need something, you know, to advertise with headshots, something creative. It's great to hear from them and start shooting with them again. And over the years, you start to build up a, a nice client base. And then how do you get new clients? I have, you know, I have a website, I have Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, you know, I don't do as much cold calling these days, but I've always said, if there's something you want to shoot and you're not shooting it, you just have to start. And then you just start asking those folks that have, whether it's a, a product, a, a whatever it is, you have to inquire about it. You have to start poking around and, and get involved. It's absolutely. I see you. You have a lot of stuff on your website that is local just to Spartanburg, architectural stuff, even some things. It's like, a, I see like a snowy clock. So it's probably just, I don't know how much snow you get in Spartanburg. Is that a yearly thing? But it oh, seems maybe like you, once you're... a year, you know, some years, okay. not, but yeah. Yeah. It looks like there's a lot of like just heart in the local space. And I feel like is that, you know, have you found that to treated you the best, right? As far as like making connections, just being available, being known. Yeah. I mean, communication is really just the best thing. I try to, there's a look, there's a lot of great photographers out there. I, I, as much as I love to take pictures, I love to look at photography. There's a lot of folks you could call to that could make a, a great picture. So I try to sell myself. I try to stay in positive communication with every job, with every client. What do you need? What? Can, how can I help you? You know, how can we facilitate this? And how can we have fun? I'm in my own world as a photographer, as a creative. Come into my studio. I'll come to you. These folks do all kinds of other jobs. And I want to see, I'm as interested in them and what they do and learning about it as I am taking the pictures that they need. And that's that's one thing that's always been fascinating about photography is it just gets you into these places that you don't need a ticket. Backstage access, you get behind the scenes, you get to see products before they're released. You get to hear about these ideas and things that are being built and made before they're announced to the general public or before they're on, you know, go on sale. And you get to work with these people that are coming up with these ideas, work with models traveling the world and they're coming to little Spartanburg to wear clothes and do things. And so that's the wonderful thing about photography. I, I, you know, it just never ceases to amaze me the things you get to see and the people you get to meet. So it's not always about the end result of this pictures that you're going to use, but it's all the stuff leading up to it and the process of making it. It's, it's just so interesting. I mean, I certainly end up in jobs that I'm glad I don't do them, but you have a newfound respect for what they do and how they do it. And then you see other things that, wow, I'd love to do that too. But you just kind of get to dip your toe and see it. And then you go to the next one and it just, you just never know who's going to call next. And, and I, I love That's that. That's interesting that, that you say that because you seem like a process guy to me from the point of like leaving Spartanburg to go to Taos to like learn the process of printmaking with these new 
you know, new chemicals in this new process to switching from film to digital, learning that process and getting to use the phase one with the scan back. Like, I'm sure that was really crazy. Just being like, whoa, it's not making a film image. It's making a digital image that goes on this screen. And then we bring it into this other program and then print it from there. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I love it. I do food a lot of times. So I get to work with chefs and, and create these dishes that are aesthetically pleasing as they are delicious. And I love to hear the process of where did you find the ingredients? Where did you go? You know, did you get to see the farm? Did you get to meet the farmer? Because those people, you know, they have a totally different idea of what they're doing. They don't think about the end result a lot of times. Oh, that's true. And I, I find that when you're there to photograph, just like this podcast, being a little nervous about talking about yourself, if I show up with a camera, or most of the people I shoot are, have no experience being in front of a camera. You pop a couple of lights up, you've got this big camera, and they're like, oh, wow, I've got to be myself now. And so it really helps to start talking about what they do, about their process. If you have the time to sort of embed yourself a little bit, as you know, some shoots, you don't have a lot of time, but you still want to be genuine about what you do, the process, be respectful to their process and, and see it. It just helps create a different mood. And so people can really be themselves. I mean, I pride myself on folks who come in my place who are not models. The models always know what they're doing. They'll keep letting you shoot them all day long because they're getting paid. And that's what they do. They practice at it. They go to all kinds of different places. But like I said, most of the people I shoot, they come in for a headshot or they've got a, we're going to pretend they're with a client and shoot some pictures. They need to be themselves. And once they can let go of the part of having a camera in their face, then we can start to get some real smiles, some real action, some real stuff, and they'll feel more comfortable about the stuff they see. People are their own worst critics when it comes to their looks or their clothes, but when everybody else looks at it, they're not seeing the faults that every, but they, that they may see in themselves through just years of dealing with people, communicating. I feel like I've crafted that, and I'm still learning, don't get me wrong, I'll never know it all. And everybody's different. You kind of learn to, to get people ready, to get them comfortable just for a few moments. I mean, it's, it's, it's more than just being able to run a camera. It's so much more. I mean, that, I love the technical stuff. And I bet you a lot of photographers get into it because they love the technology. Or maybe they just love to be with people. They don't even care about the f-stops and the shutter speeds. That just kind of comes along. But they just want to be involved. And so... Yeah. Like I said, it was, and I love it. You have you've got a good mixture of of what appears to be models, regular people on your uh, on your portraits page and really great, interesting images, even outside of just the technical lighting aspects. You know, I love the way you light stuff. Uh, it's all like very even and it looks it doesn't look lit. Right. And that's the that's the beauty of lighting. Something is making it not look lit. So I think you do a really good job with that. But I, I like the mixture of of real people doing things. And then right alongside that is, you know, what appears to be a model, a fashion, you know, a fashion shoot or a, a headshot or something, you know, and then it's, you know, it's it's somebody else. I, I really like that, that diversity you, you have on your website and kind of says a lot about the says a lot about the process of how you work, too. Yeah, you know, folks would probably call me a generalist. I would call myself a generalist photographer being in a small market. It's not like I could just do one type of thing and be able to necessarily make a living in just that. I think in a bigger market can easier do that or travel more. I used to travel a whole lot, but I appreciate it. You know, I I try to, you know, I could probably do a website update. You just get oh, that's, God, not, you not, my, that's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, don't start doing it at night. <laughs> Yeah. You'll never go to sleep. Oh, right. Oh, I've been there before. And then it's like, oh, man, no, you know, let me take this image. I need a new caption. I need an interesting, fun caption. What am I going to write? Oh, here? my God. And well, it just, just the bio part we were talking about earlier. I mean, look, most of my website is just pictures. If you like those pictures, you'll call me. You'll, you'll email me. You'll get in touch. And then we'll That's talk about a, the details, how much, when. That, that that's when it gets kind of into the nitty gritty. But like I said, if you like the pictures, you'll call, you know, it's so funny. Cause I remember that saying when I was making my website, uh, I wanted to have all this stuff written, you know, and I was trying to write stuff and I was asking people and I was calling and, uh, 
I talked to a friend of mine and he was like, dude, are you a photographer or are you a writer? And I was like, I'm a photographer. He's like, I don't think you have to worry about all that stuff. Like you're gonna take a picture. You're not writing the story. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have to approach it like that. And remember, yo, I'm just shooting the video or I'm just taking the photo. I don't have to narrate it or caption every single thing. And I don't think people, I mean, if you're a journalist, if you're selling yourself as all those things, a copywriter and a photographer and a, a video film person, I think then some of that would be important. But I don't, it, it's what you choose, you know, if you're a creative writer as well. But I, I'm not. And Exactly. And that's the thing, right? You're not calling. I'm not calling you for that. I'm calling you to take my picture or take pictures of, of whatever product you have, exactly. what, whatever job I've got. And the key for me is if I can get you on the phone and I listen, I do email exchanges like anybody else, but when they email me, whoever it is, and they start asking questions, the first, I'll answer a couple of questions, but really, Hey, let's talk on the phone. Let's I love meet that. Yep. in person. Let get to know me. I'll get to know you. Let's get excited about this together. Um, let's create something. And I can tell really you a little bit about that, my process. For... It's a lot easier for me to explain than write some LinkedIn email that you may get the gist of or not. But I feel like when I hear their voice and they hear mine, again, I can tell how interested they are in what they need, what what they want from me, or how interested they are in me, or are they just calling 10 photographers looking for the lowest price. You know, you just, it's such a better engagement. It's a starting place to email or text or whatever, but the real sauce is in the actual communicating with the people, like I said, phone or in person. Absolutely. Do you have a, a, like a story that is kind of a defining moment when you, when you kind of knew you were on the right track or when you were something that, that pertains to, to work that, you know, I, I, I thought about that over the weekend. What are those? What is it? Is there one or many? And there's, I can't necessarily say that there was, you know, one thing because they continue to happen. You know, I'm so happy that my, my wife, my parents, my grandparents, anybody that's ever helped me along the way in life and, and in this thing, I love to do photography, you know, it's like you just keep doing what you're going to do until someone says, no, sorry, you can't do that. You know, until they stop, until they start telling me that you're not good enough, you can't do this, we don't want you, I'm going to keep doing it. And so, and I get reassured that through, it's not like every job produces endorphins that say, man, I just, I'm so happy to do this. I mean, a lot of them do, but for instance, the job I had about a month ago, a longtime client, they've been getting increasingly more creative with their ideas, how they want to advertise, location shoots. This is a fashion client. And so they come up with some ideas. They, they bring props. They do stuff. We do stuff in the studio. We do stuff on location. And they are expecting me to – they'll show me images, but I don't want to shoot I don't want to copy people's stuff. So we'll kind of work off that as a base. And this last shoot, I mean, I had all the toys out in the studio. And I call them toys, like light attachments that go on the softbox and the beauty dishes and the this and the that. And, man, I just had so much fun. And, the, the, you know, they're patient people. And we're working through the motions. We're working with the models. We're getting more and more out of it. And I just love that process. And so there's been many shoots over the year. I mean, thousands of shoots that it just every now and then one of them will be like, man, I, I just love this. I feel so happy. I don't even care about the money. It's just great that I get paid, that I can do this. And along the way, you, like I said, you just keep doing it because they keep calling, they keep emailing. And that's what keeps me going. I mean, some agency calls, they reach out, we do a job or two, they like me. Doesn't mean that I'm going to start getting all their work, but you just build these relationships up. And um, I, I, again, I just love, I love that. I love that about 
this business is so people oriented. You know, during COVID, when everything was shut down, that was a little strange. I mean, I still got some work, but you didn't really see a lot of people. We shot any headshots, they were outside. Things came slow. That was that was a tough one. It really made you appreciate life in general, your family, your friends. Stop taking it for granted that, uh, well, you know, I hope that I've never taken it for granted, but when the clients start coming back and they need work done, you're just like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. I, I just, I, I, I just pl- thank you. That I- it was a weird, yeah, that was a weird time. Cause I, uh, I did a little bit of traveling and I got to, I mean, I don't, everybody was on their computer. Everybody was creating something and a lot of people were doing FaceTime photo shoots and they were doing, you know, videos of these abandoned cities and getting into these places that they wouldn't normally get because they just, there wasn't a presence of people to kind of stop you. You know what I mean? There was a little, it was a little bit, felt a little bit more lawless. It yeah. felt a little bit more risky. Man, some of the stuff that that came out of that period of time, I think will will forever it was just it's just not replicatable. Some of the some of the images. But I'm with you though. It was like, you know, for a minute I was like, this is awesome. Look at all this stuff. This is crazy. Oh my God, you know. Uh pictures of of Times Square just completely empty, you know, with not a person there. And then, you know, the riot started and and just those images and then you know, filtered into kind of like, all right, we're getting sick of this. And then, <laughs> and then it kind of all came back, you know, and it, it, I feel like, you know, the landscape of photography has forever changed that kind of, you know, that perception. Cause it's like, now you know what, what big Ben looks like without anybody in front of it. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, and, and that's not AI generated. That's not Photoshopped out. That's not composited. It's, it, it's literally empty. I thought that was that was really neat, but at the same time, you know, it's like, man, all right, I'm ready to shoot an event again. I'm ready to shoot, you know, uh, I'm I'm ready for people to line up and shoot headshots all day again for some, you know, for whatever this corporation that needs 15, let's do it or yes, whatever. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, the first concert you went, I went to outdoor. We had the pods, so we had to stand halfway through that show. We're all in the same pod. We can't. We're mm-hmm. having so much fun. But you're right, even a mundane job creatively or you're just like, man, this is so exciting. Uh, it's so fun to be back. You know, and during the COVID break, and I know a lot of people did this, They did. I pulled out stuff I hadn't done in many years, processes, you know, a little bit of darkroom stuff, some cyanotype printing, shooting more film, just things that you could do by yourself. Uh, and actually, one of the fun things we did uh, you know, plot Zoom calls were becoming more common, obviously, you know, working from home. I did a Zoom call with these folks from the Netherlands with uh, the company I was working for, and we shot a live drone feed so they could see property. They couldn't fly here and see this property. They were going to buy a couple hundred acres and start these tomato uh, greenhouses I'm kind of suspect that they were going to eventually hopefully turn them into marijuana grow houses, but they really wanted this property, but they wanted to see it. I was like, well, I guess I'll just share my screen from my phone and there you go. We'll be able to share it. And so interesting and creative ways were done to get around the fact that we couldn't get together, you know, at least Have not. Have you had any other like instances like this where somebody said, hey, man, can you do this? Because that's really, I've never heard of that. That's that's pretty brilliant. Well, it was, I mean, can you imagine how much money you would save on flights and time well you know we were pushing it i even contacted a friend of mine that is really he's more of an it person and a drone pilot and i was like can is there any way to generate real-time borders on property owners borders while i'm flying a drone live so they can actually see the edge of their property and they're like that would be incredible but you would need like a massive computer computing this constantly changing how the landscape uh, looks by frame by with frame. these lines. Now it may be possible now, but a few years ago it was like, no, that cannot be done. But we were at least pushing the idea of like, can this be done? Can we see this? Cause you know, I was flying the edges of this property or as much as I could, but you just had to. And so we rehearsed of how I would fly through it. So they describe it and see it. So, yeah, that was neat to push that. Um, you know, I mean, we, we ha- at my studio, we have a weekly uh, fashion shoot here with my client, and we have models that come here. And so, you know, we all had to wear masks. We, we took some time off, but the, we would, I eventually had to say you had to be 
you had to have the 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 shot you know and it's not that i'm against anybody that didn't get one that's their prerogative they do what you want to it the vaccine was just a way to sort of you're coming into my yeah, place there's a mixture of people come from other cities greenville charlotte other parts of north carolina charleston atlanta and that's really how a lot of these things got spread was people traveling and so okay oh, yeah. we're gonna do the best thing we can please don't come if you're sick and so yeah. we only had a few people that stopped coming but for the most part people got on board and i think everybody was kind of ready to to get back to i mean we're so animals right everybody wanted to get back to to being social so yeah. i think for like a short time people were like yes you know i don't have to do this thing that i dislike doing and then it's like well the other side of that coin is i can't do a lot of things that i do enjoy doing and i hate this <laughs> yeah so it, it's a slow rollout and i imagine a lot of I watched other photography studios doing a similar thing. They wore masks. They obviously had the antibacterial soaps and the sprays and all. I had air filters running. You did what you had to do. And thankfully, yep. for best of my knowledge, no one got sick coming to the studio. It, it, it worked. And then, of course, eventually the masks came off. Other models that I say this is just a few people that I know of that didn't get vaccinated. They're back in the swing of things, and it's just something we live with now. But I think oh, yeah. it it back to what we were saying earlier is just you do with what you have, you make with what you have. You're thankful that you were back. Um, I hope that we learned a lot from that, and that we don't forget what we learned. And if it happens again, we're better. Oh yeah. But you, you got to make a living and you got to work. You know, you can't sit at home all the time and people get bored. And so we're going to go out there and take a chance and do the best we can. So, well, this, um, this question is always interesting to me. I like to, I like to hear people's answer. I don't know if you thought about it yet, but if you only had a thousand dollars for marketing, how would you spend it? I'd probably and I know throw, it's not a lot of money. I'd probably throw a party, just a client appreciation party, you know, invite anybody I could. I mean, I have a space to do it in. I've spent a thousand dollars on marketing, creating an ad one time in a basically it was like a hometown journal that was in Sparber Greenville area that you sort of they looked like articles but they were really full of just advertising where you oh, could, the old advertorial yeah you could write you could have someone write I mean they would provide a photographer they would provide a, a journalist of some type that could write your story and that it was full of I bought the full color one of course not the black and white photo. The photographer shows up. I, I mean, I love this photographer. She was so intimidated coming to my place that she said, Carol, I think I need you to just set it up and then I'll press the button. And I was like, That's amazing. what am I paying for? And so <laughs> we did it. Basically, I took her card out of her camera, stuck it in mine. She took the pictures and I gave her the card. Wonderful t photographer. I'm not dogging her by any means and I hate it. She felt that way. But anyway, we wrote the thing and it got published and all I got was, hey, Carol, that was a nice looking picture of you from clients I already had. So it was, a, I won't say it was a waste, but I don't think I got any business from it. So I learned a lot from that. And did I just need- Did you throw like a networking event? Just inviting old, like past clients yeah, or like absolutely. possible clients to just party down, play some music? and Yes, I would do something like that. Because I don't really, I've done the Facebook, I've done the Instagram, pushing ads. I don't know where I could publish something that in a printed piece. You know, I, I guess I could- maybe take that thousand dollars. I've always wanted to print some pictures on, and I, I've got to uh, next year is publish some pieces on newsprint, just something that's like eight pages, large pictures of my work, and then just go give it away. And it would probably be more of an artistic pieces that I like that could, you could frame one of these because it's a full page. It's a, for those who've actually held a newspaper and you unfold it, it's a very pretty big piece of paper you could do full page images color black and white whatever with a little bit of text and things you know maybe an artist statement of some kind uh, that way that's something i would rather do than a traditional you know if photographer photographers commercial ones especially they do email blasts and they do yeah, a lot of promos, promos. Like and so this would be along the lines of the promo thing 
So I guess I would be torn between that or, or like I said, a party. I don't work with every client I've ever had still. they Some have moved on. They found other creatives or, you know, they needed something lower cost or, or whatever reason. And I'm still very thankful to them for coming to me when they did part of my journey or their journey in making something. And so I would still, I'd love to have them over. And I don't, it's not to try to get their business back, although that would be wonderful. But again, just more of an appreciation and thank you for making it happen, making the dream happen. Man, I have listened to this show, well, before when it was uh, hosted by Josh Rossi, and nobody ever said that. So that's a, I like that, a networking event to put you back in touch with with people and the community and let people know where you are and let people know how to get a hold of you. And I think that's that's pretty important, right? The human connection is a lot of times overlooked. And I think it's a very valuable thing. And it, it's a driving a lot of decisions. It, it is. It's all who you know. If, if the deciding factor, when you're looking at a photographer, male, female, whatever, and they all have good images, who do you know? Who do you want to hang out right. with for yeah, a exactly. half a day, a day, whatever it is? Who do you want to have a relationship with over time? And I feel like when I can convey that with someone, they can, I may not have the shot already in the bag that they see on their website that they're dreaming about, but they maybe feel like I'm the person that could work through the process to get that. And we're going to enjoy it and have a good time together. And that's, that's where the human connection is. That's where it's, to me, it's all about to see how you could sit in the dark and not communicate. I mean, I come from a time when photographers did not share stuff. They were very secretive about their processes. They, and it wasn't that they weren't friends with other photographers, but it was a little bit of a bitter relationship. And I never liked that about that, to talk shit about other photographers. or um, I see it more as we all are doing something we love. We love something together. Let's share if I give you all my equipment, John, and, and you go out and shoot something that I just shot, you're going to shoot it differently. Even if you know all yeah. the stuff that I know, and I know all the stuff that 100%. you know, you're just going to do it differently. You may borrow. I may borrow from you, but we're going to eventually yeah. create something of our own. And so I don't see any problem with sharing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with creating something brand new and kind of sitting on it for a while and let it percolate or, or oh, yeah. influence, if you will. But... You know, I, I, I know I'm not really doing a lot of stuff that is is cutting edge that other folks aren't doing, but I'm doing it my way. I'm doing it the way I know. I'm trying to push it here and there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's. Well, Carol, can you tell folks where they can find your work or how they could get in touch with you if they wanted to drop you a line or if you were, you know, if you're open for questions or anything? Yeah, I, you know. I'm very open about, I teach kids photography. I've had a summer class this past summer. I have, I have some college students coming in next week with a professor from a local college. We're going to do some portrait stuff. So I'm open book. Uh, typical things. I'm on, I have a website, hoteyephoto.com. I have a Instagram page, which is hoteyephoto. You can also Google Carol Foster. I have a LinkedIn page. I do have a business page on Facebook, but I probably haven't posted posted anything on that in a long time that's a frustrating and stupid platform for a business unless you're a restaurant or something that you really have things that change daily in terms of a menu or uh, music or things that that you could go to that day and so you know those those things that i post to i'm probably mostly heavy on the instagram although at times i don't post as much mostly work that I do for fun on there. If you want to see more of, I oh, guess, yeah. the quote-unquote serious work, it might be more found on my website. But please call me. I my, my phone number is on all those things. And you can email me. It's, a, I'm, like I said, I'm an open book. I will always talk to, no, it doesn't matter how small the job is or, or big. Call me and we'll talk about it. So I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Carol, man. I've had a great time talking with you. I think I've learned a lot and uh, I look forward to uh, to talking to you again in the future. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful experience. I was, like I said, very nervous at first, but you're a really nice person and made it easy. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it.